I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. In the next hour, a mariachi guitarist who sold her television to buy a plane ticket to become a TV star, a stand-up comic whose masterful pen-spinning skills landed him on the show Portlandia, and an author who's been called the Einstein of the 21st century, but you know, no pressure, who has this to say about the creation of the cosmos. The universe is a nutty vision, an insane daydream, loony, impossible. And it defies the laws of logic. It's, it's... Livewire! From the beautiful Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Livewire with comedian Alex Falcone, philosopher Howard Bloom, and music from Edna Vasquez on this edition of Livewire! Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. Today's show featuring, as always, comedy from the Faces for Radio Theater. An Insta-poem, yeah, that can be a thing, from Scott Poole. And, of course, we've got music from our house band, led by Mr. Ralph Huntley. Well, spring is springing all over the place. It's that time of year when the little green shoots of new life start pushing their way out into the world. And as it happens, Livewire's doing some growing too. After serving as host and head writer of this show for nine years and over 200 episodes, the ridiculously talented Courtney Hawmeister is stepping away from the microphone. This comes as especially tough news for me because I just finally learned how to pronounce her last name. It's Hawmeister, like you're laughing, which is something you guys out there in the audience and also everyone out in radio listener land have done a lot thanks to Courtney's work. But laughing wasn't the only thing she had us doing. She had us thinking and learning and cringing and wondering, which is no small feat. It turns out it's actually really hard to be consistently funny on the radio. I speak from experience. I used to work on a public radio satire show, which was called Rewind, to which my mom once remarked, you guys should really try to do more stuff that's funny. <laughs> my mom, the wind on top of my wings. <laughs> and yet, and yet, Courtney and the Livewire crew have managed to do that, to be consistently funny and interesting week in and week out. So let us take a moment, please, and mortify Courtney with a round of applause. <laughs> Now for the little green shoot pushing its nose out into the world portion of the evening. Hi, my name's Luke Burbank. I'll be hosting the show for the rest of the season. Nice to meet you. Make it just a little bit shorter than Courtney's applause. Appropriately so. 
in all sincerity, though, I am really excited to get the chance to be part of what Courtney and the Livewire folks here have built. It is an honor, but one that I am not going to let go to my head. I want you guys to know that I know my place. Just consider me uh, like that goldfish that you bought when your kids were at school because you accidentally killed the original goldfish, the one that they loved, when you spilled Chardonnay into its bowl. Chardonnay that you should not have been drinking because it was like 11.30 a.m. on a Tuesday. Relax, though. There's nothing to worry about. By the time the kids get home, I'll be swimming around in the bowl just like nothing ever happened. They'll never notice because they're not very smart. And listen, I won't even be offended that you guys have to keep calling me Courtney to keep your little scam going. So thank you very much. Edna Vasquez grew up in Colima, Mexico, listening to traditional mariachi music. She learned to play guitar at 13 after a boy with a crush on her gave her a guitar. The relationship did not really work out, but the guitar, that was a love match. She came to the U.S. when she was still a teenager and eventually joined the mariachi band Los Palmeros while simultaneously working on her solo repertoire. Three years ago, a friend convinced her to buy a ticket to Los Angeles to compete in something called Tango Talento Mucho Talento, which I haven't seen, but I already feel confident is my favorite TV show that's ever been created. (laughs) It is a Spanish-language version of America's Got Talent. Edna did not win, but she brought the judges to tears. And her fans on Spanish-language TV have supported her throughout her tours of the Western U.S. and Texas with her quartet. Please welcome Edna Vasquez to Livewire.
That was incredible, playing incredible whistling. I felt like someone was going to get killed in a Quentin Tarantino movie <laughs> at any right? moment. Hopefully, yes, because that makes it fun. Obviously, your guitar skills are incredibly virtuosic, but how do you learn how to whistle like that? I don't know. You know, when I was little, I used to uh, be alone at home a lot. So to not feel lonely, I started to whistle um, songs that I knew and that I heard, and that's how I started practicing. So then after that, I, this is how I whistle now. <laughs> I got pretty far, I guess. <laughs> Did people think you were a crazy person, this little girl walking down the street with this big whistle? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, you know, I just didn't care. <laughs> a lot has been made of the fact that you're playing a style of music that isn't traditionally played by a lot of women. Is that still the case? Or, I mean, is it, is it sort of evening out a little bit? It's a struggle, you know, as women, and especially in my culture, um, it's a little harder, I, I should say. Um, it's been hard here because I started with the mariachi band, and that was, you know, was just, there are how many? Six boys in the band, you know, so they feel intimidated, pretty intimidated by a strong woman. They don't know how to deal with that, I guess. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but true. Would you have moments when, you know, you were performing together and they would sort of have their solo and then you would do your solo and then they would play their solo louder? And they'd just be like, Kinda, dueling yeah. mariachi? That's what happens, yeah. Um, I had to specify that once. Um, I'm not trying to compete with you. I'm just like trying to make um, audible the art of the song. I'm not trying to take over. I'm not taking your job. I'm here to just <clears throat> finesse a little. Let me try. I don't know. I've heard a lot of... See if it works. A lot of immigrants stealing mariachi jobs from honest white <laughs> Americans. That's right, It's right? a heartbreak. Yeah. It really is. Good one. <laughs> Can you tell me about... Um, what's it called? Uh, Tengo Mucho... Tengo talento, mucho talento. This I have talent, the... so much talent. That's what, that's what it translates to? That's the name to? of the TV show. Yeah. I have talent, so much talent? Yeah. And it's sort of the Spanish language version of uh, America's Got Talent? It is, yeah. Kind of like an American Idol sort of thing. It's well, like, oh, I, I mean, it's, it's no secret or no mystery why it was that they uh, glommed onto you because it's incredible music. Um, you're going to be back thank in you. a few minutes playing another song for us, right? Yes, thank you. Edna Vasquez you. will be back in a moment on Livewire. That was Edna Vasquez, and you're listening to Live Wire Radio. Uh, Mrs. Langford? Yes? Hi there. We're the Lymans from Two Houses Down. Oh, yes. Hello. Well, um, this is a little embarrassing. We feel awkward asking. Asking what? <laughs> it's about cookies. Oh, my cherry bars from the bake sale at First Presbyterian. Those are No. My... Girl Scout cookies. Oh. Come in. Yeah, we heard you have a line on some. Young man, did you just wink at me? The thing is, we've gone through our supply a little early this year. Someone forgot to order enough, and now the stands are closed. We've been asking around, and we've heard that you have a source. You got cash? What? You heard me. Play it straight, and that pretty face will stay pretty. Jesus. Not in this house. She keeps them down here. Who's she? Hello? Hello. Oh, well, uh, hi there. Aren't you an adorable little thing? <laughs> yes, I am. So, you'd like to buy some cookies? Uh, my, you sure do have a lot of them. Well, I need to sell a lot if I want to win the trip to Splash Island. Now, it's five box max. We were hoping that... Open we... one hand and shit in another. See which fills up faster. Uh... <laughs> Excuse me? Did I stutter? I don't negotiate. Five boxes, $50 a box. They're only $4 if you order from a stand. Well, you aren't buying them from a stand. You're in my Nana's fruit cellar. You came to me. For me, they're $50 a box. Okay. Do you have all the different varieties? Sure. I got them all. Thin mints, trefoils, tagalongs, lemonades, dozy doughs, mango cream. Samoas? Do you have the Samoas? You interrupted me. 
Oh, you got some blood on your shirt. What? I don't... Oh, God! Oh. Right there. Oh. Cleaver? Yes, pumpkin? Oh, my God. God! These folks like to interrupt. Help them keep it zipped, would you? Sure thing, pumpkin. Who's that? That's my grandpa Cleaver. He's old, but we keep him salty. The one thing you can tell about a broken down man is that he's a survivor. As I was saying, Savannah smiles. Thanks a lot. Dulce Delush, and of course, Samoas. Great, we'll take three boxes of Samoas. Two Samoas per purchase. Amateurs. But they're our favorites, and we'd appreciate if you Can I ask you something, lady? Sure. Ever picked up teeth with broken fingers? No. Two Samoas per order, no exceptions. Uh, okay, okay, we'll take the two Samoas and, and, and a foils and a do dough and uh, Spit it out. Uh, uh, Standing in my Nana's fruit cellar, bleeding from the nose and stammering like a jackass. You ask me for help and you show me no respect. Thin mints! Uh, we'll take thin mints! Um, here's the money. We'll show ourselves out. <gasps> it's Troop 14! Get down! Oh my God, what do they want? Hey, Mind you to never speak of this, or I promise you a day of reckoning you won't live long enough to never forget. <sighs> nice work, Cleaver. How many you get? I picked off four, and the others ran away like little girls. Well, technically, they all are little girls. Come on, you two. The police will be here soon. We've got burn two. Burn it down, Nana. But, honey. I said burn it down. That was Laura Faye Smith, Sean McGrath, Lori Ferraro, and Andrew Harris. You're listening to Livewire, the radio variety show that stimulates every part of your brain, including, sadly, the part that used to know the Iliad, but now pretty much only has room for the names of the Here Comes Honey Boo Boo cast. Coming up, God Problem author Howard Bloom, stand-up comics Alex Falcone, poet Scott Poole, and more music from Edna Vasquez. We'll be right back. In his latest book, The God Problem, Howard Bloom tackles perhaps the biggest question of all. If we don't believe in that benevolent, bearded God in a white robe who sounds like Morgan Freeman, that he might be the genesis of the universe, then how did a godless cosmos create life? It's probably not a question we can answer in 12 minutes, but we're going to get some help from Bloom, who explores, among other things in the book, Aristotle's sneaky tricks, Newton's intelligent design, entropy's errors, God's war crimes, and Einstein's pajamas. I'm looking forward to that part especially. He's appeared on Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, CNN, the BBC, and now his dream can finally come true. He's appearing on American Public Radio right here in Portland. Please welcome Howard Bloom to Live Wire. Welcome to LiveWire, Howard. Uh, thanks, Luke. Now, how are you going to get the entire construction of the universe into 11 minutes? Well, um, you didn't spare any pages on this one, buddy. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to see this in radio land, but did they pay you by the pound? Yes, yes. Uh, basically $100 for a 100-pound book. 
Well, it's quite a read, and it brings up, I think, some really uh, some interesting ideas, also ideas that a lot of people have a very difficult time wrapping their minds around, me included. You start off writing about this theoretical coffee chat that's happening before the universe right. is even the universe, and there's an argument about if the universe is going to exist. I get that the sort of idea behind the book and, and part of why you wanted to write it was because you feel like scientists, very smart scientists, who have decided that they don't think that there's the, the traditional idea of, uh, as we said, guy with white robes who has Morgan Freeman's voice who is setting it all in, in right. play. They've also skipped over, though, some things about this universe that are actually really hard to sort of account for without something like that. They've skipped over the biggest thing in the world. In 1835, two guys were sitting around a coffee table uh, in a living room in London. And they were thinking about this new thing called chemistry. And they were thinking about the fact that if you take a bell jar full of gas and you add it to a bell jar full of gas, one plus one equals two. And Aristotle told us is the basic of logic. If you break things down to their elements, down to little itty-bitty pieces, and you figure out the laws of those elements, you'll understand everything you need to know about just about everything. So you've got one gas in a bell jar and another gas in a bell jar, and you understand the laws of elements, and gas is a gas. You can see through it, you can put your finger through it, you can wave it around a little bit and make a little bit of a breeze. Add the two gases, one plus one equals two. You've got twice as much gas. Now add a little bit of heat, strike a match. You should get twice as much gas plus heat, heated gas. That's not what happens. You get an explosion, and you get this wiggly, wobbly, weird stuff wobbling on your tabletop, probably spilling off over on, on your lap, soaking through your pants, and making you ser seriously embarrassed, not willing to stand up for the next 15 minutes. It's called a liquid. It's called water. And guess what? Science in their time had no way of explaining logically how an explosion and a liquid could come from adding two gases. We don't understand the elementary laws. If that's everything we need to understand, where did, the gas, where did the explosion come from? Where did the liquid come from? And they said, look, the math of our time, the math of the science of our time is not capable of handling this, and it's not real science till the math can handle it. Guess what? That's 177 years ago. We still don't understand that simple little elemental act of creation, if you want to call it that, that occurs right in front of our eyes. It's time for us to wake up and see the limits of the logic we're working with. What about um, entropy and the idea that things should be becoming more disorganized, and yet in ways we see things becoming more organized? We seem to have kind of violated the law of thermodynamics there, right? Yeah, the law of thermodynamics doesn't make any sense in this particular universe, and yet every scientist I know is thoroughly wedded to it. The idea of entropy is that all things tend toward disorder. All things fall apart. Now, in your apartment, you talk about entropy all the time. Things seem to be getting messier yeah. and messier. My fiancé has another name for it. Ah, um, uh, You. Yeah. Um, yes, right. So, yeah, we're all the entropic principle, but the entropic principle in the universe just doesn't work that way. Look at what we did at the coffee table at the beginning of the universe. We went from a nothing to a blip, from a blip to time and space rushing at incredible speed, from time and space rushing at incredible speed to the very first things, quarks, leptons. From there, we go on to galaxies, stars, and eventually life. Is that a universe stumbling down a staircase of disorder? No, it's the universe climbing up a staircase of order. And until we can recognize what's in front of our very eyes, we're not really doing science. Well, it sounds like you're kind of making the argument that maybe there is a God out there because we still can't explain a lot of this stuff. Oh, no. I mean, look, we're the first coagulations of protons capable of dreaming of justice and peace, right? Um, there isn't justice and peace in this universe. The natural universe is filled with war and destruction. Even stars destroy. Death is all over the place. That's what nature has given us. So it is our job to bring justice and warmth and compassion to this universe because we're the first creatures capable of dreaming of its existence. So again, if there is a God, fine, we're doing her work. If there is no God, fine, it's our job to do it anyway. Is that also part of the writing of this book and why you want to try to know this stuff yourself and have more people understanding what you see as the scientific explanation for things in this universe? Because then it sort of, it, it sort of obligates us as humans to be better to each other. It obligates us to be better to each other, although you can make a choice about that. You can decide that maybe we should be worse to each other, in which case everybody in the audience and I will probably oppose you, I hope. Um, but I don't it's know. Our, I it, got off a couple good jokes early in the show. <laughs> it's... 
It is our job to understand the universe in any and every way we possibly can. Why? Because science, science is my religion. There is no God. Science is my religion. I'm an atheist. Well, science to me represents the aspiration toward omniscience and the aspiration toward omnipotence. Now, we're not going to achieve that in my lifetime or yours. We may never achieve it. But if we don't aim high, we won't get anywhere. Now, I would describe myself probably as being more of an agnostic because I don't have the guts to commit to sort of either side. But, I mean, this is probably... Another thing your fiancé has been complaining about recently. absolutely. (laughs) The messiness and the indecision. (laughs) Um, Doesn't it take a great deal of faith to be an atheist, too? Because you're saying, I know definitively what's not out there. It takes absolute faith. It's a religion. It is not uh, Richard Dawkins and the boys, Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris, um, make a case for that, that we should all be atheists, that it's the only rational, logical thing to do. I got news for them. It's not rational. It's not logical. It is a faith. It is a religion. And like every other religion, it should be tolerant of other religions. I really am disturbed when Christopher Hitchens, bless his soul, he was a brilliant man, and Richard Dawkins and the boys start saying... The cause of all of the evils in the world is religion. We should eradicate religion. If we eradicate religion, we will all be rational, and the world will be nice and calm. It won't be nice and calm. Um, It doesn't take religion to make war. They're absolutely wrong. They're being intolerant, and that's intolerable. (laughs) Okay, you are a really smart guy. We get it. (laughs) <laughs> um, you've been compared I'm actually to, dumb as you, can possibly be. You've been be, compared but. to Albert Einstein. Yeah. You've had um, a lot of very, very well-respected people read your work and find it to be really fascinating and, and quite forward-looking stuff. Um, ha, did you learn anything in this book, in the writing of this book, that just blew your mind, that like, uh, even you, Howard Bloom, didn't know? Everything I learned in this book blew my mind. I went back to basics, like it says in every textbook. It says in every encyclopedia, the Babylonians invented the 360-degree angle, every single one of them. So I went back to find out what the Babylonian protractor, the thing that allows you to determine an angle, was Where made do you of. go for that? Well, <laughs> everywhere you possibly can. I mean, I was trying to figure out whether it was made of clay or copper or wood, because if I'm going to put you in the, in the sandals of a Babylonian, I want you to feel what that protractor felt like in your hands. For a month, I hunted for the protractor, the Babylonian protractor. I got nowhere. Then finally something occurred It was on eBay, wasn't it? No, no. <laughs> I couldn't find it because there was no Babylonian protractor. I couldn't find it because the Babylonians did not invent the 360-degree angle. At every step of the way, I found that everything we know is wrong. It was a remarkable experience. So that one I bought was a fake. (laughs) Uh, What else uh, for you in this book was something that you were just not expecting and that you're still sort of carrying around in your mind as a, for you a great part of having done all this research and and read through all the stuff that you had to read through to write this? Um, I started hunting. I went to Reed College for eight months, um, not far from here. Which you point out was, at least at this point, and maybe still is, harder to get into than a number of more... Harvard. We had higher SATs that year than Harvard, uh, Yale, MIT, and uh, Caltech. Was that really necessary to the story, Howard, or were you just Uh, trying to... No, I was... It no, felt kind of shoehorned into me. I was, I, I was just showing off. No, I put you in my shoes, and I wanted you to feel good about yourself. Are you like this all the time? Yes. <laughs> it seems exhausting for you. I have a, I have a wonderful time. <laughs> Howard Bloom, ladies and gentlemen, the book is The God Problem, How a Godless Cosmos Creates. That was Howard Bloom, his book, The God Problem, How a Godless Cosmos Creates. You're listening to Livewire, radio for the people who, when purchasing underwear, choose the variety pack. Not that we're watching you shop for your underwear. That would be super creepy. If you prefer to take your radio in podcast form, you can find ours at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and our website at livewireradio.org. Mark Nielsen. Yeah. Uh, you bring in the 98 Honda? Yeah, is it ready? Sure is. Now, you have the coupon for the 1999 oil change, so we went ahead and did that. Okay, great. 
We also did a new oil filter, lubricated the chassis, did a full windshield wash, an underhood visual inspection, and an under-chassis visual inspection. <laughs> Was that extra? Yeah, not that much, but we do it complimentary. Wait, what? We also checked and filled power steering fluid, did an eval of the transmission and transaxle. Checked the differential front and rear, checked radiator coolant levels, tire pressure check, inspected the brake fluid, checked the air filter, looked at the PCV valve, and did a full headlight check. Dude, I just wanted an oil change. Sir, the terms and conditions of your coupon covers all provisional repairs that the mechanic sees fit to perform. Jesus, how much was all that? That was a nominal complimentary charge. Well... Was it nominal or complimentary? Mechanic also shanked your TR cone, replaced your socket poles, checked your pole position, tightened your bumper coils, and topped off your blinker fluid. Blinker fluid? Yeah. What the hell is blinker fluid? Uh, assists in sinking between lever and blinker. Okay, how much is this all going to run me? As of now, we're looking at 401.65. 400 bucks? Yeah, but the oil change was 1999. Okay, I'm pretty sure I'm getting screwed, but I have no idea how to prove it. So this is a pretty standard repair service. Mechanic also did a full battery tap, gussy bumped the tailpipe, glazed the donut rod, checked the flux capacitor, did a full bubble blow to the water pump, drained your snake hose, repopcorned your airbags, Mario the Andretti intake, recanted the Avada Kedavra, smacked the ball joints around, and reholed your fatty belt. Come on, man, jeez. I didn't want all that done. Sir, once we get in there, we have to make mandatory anything unnecessary. Okay, so... All right, so how much for everything? 568.21. I just wanted to spend 20 bucks to get an oil change. Sir, your Civic needed these repairs. Legally, we were obligated to fix it and charge you. Civic? I don't have a Civic. You had the 98 Honda. Yeah, but it's an Accord. Oh, whoops, uh... I was looking at the wrong paperwork here. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's good news. So you had the 98 Accord? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's ruined. What? Yeah, we ruined that. Uh, but hey, we do provide a courtesy shuttle free of charge to anywhere within five miles. Uh, it's ten bucks. Sean McGrath and Andrew Harris. Alex Falcone describes himself as a moderately attractive comedian from Portland, Oregon, and we're going to give him that because this is radio, after all. He's performed in comedy clubs around the country and at festivals like Bumbershoot, the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, and San Francisco's Sketchfest. He's also the host of his own live talk show, Late Night Action, the producer of the podcast Read It and Weep, on which he discusses or rather dissects terrible books, movies, and TV shows. And he recently made his basic cable debut as a pen-spinning magazine editor on none other than Portlandia. Please welcome Alex Falcone to Livewire. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's uh, 25% over. The year's 25% over. Time to check in. How's 2013? Good or bad? Some nodding. You guys are good at radio. Nice. I, uh, I'm having a great year, you guys. It's really good. I'm getting married this year, which is very exciting. Thank you, mostly ladies. I appreciate that. Uh, I am really excited about it, and she's a very lucky woman. We, she really is. I'm, uh, for those of you here, I have a great personality. Uh, those of you at home, I'm really hot. So I'm excited. Uh, we're, we're, we've been going out for a long time. We've been dating for like eight years uh, when we got engaged, and it was really exciting. Uh, but I was so sure she would say yes when I proposed. But just in case, for that special moment, I ordered two cakes to be ready for us. The first one said, congratulations, buddy. She said yes. And the other one said, well, on the bright side, at least you've got two cakes. Either way, it was going to be a pretty good night, you know? I'm excited. My friends aren't as excited for me as I am. They were, uh, one of my buddies, Sean, was like, dude, why buy the cow when you're getting the milk for free? Am I right? And I was like, maybe the cow and I are deeply in love. Here's my proof. I never refer to her as the cow. That's how you can tell. Although now that you mention that, the cow does have health insurance, and that's a good reason to buy anything. 
My, uh, is another good thing in my family, my sister is pregnant. I'm going to be an uncle for the first time, which is very exciting. Uh, don't, she's not here. Uh, it's really fun, but she did this thing, she did this weird thing where she told everybody in the family that they were trying to get pregnant. They were trying, like it's a math problem they can't figure out. Like, I, I'm your brother, I don't want to hear about your sex life, even in code. I know what trying means. You can't just send an email to the whole family that's like, by the way, we're having unprotected sex like every single night. <laughs> See you at Thanksgiving. That's gross. You can't send that email. No one wants to. She didn't actually say unprotected sex. She actually said this. She said, we've removed the goalie. <laughs> Great. Now I can't watch soccer. Thanks, sis. Great. All I can think about is my brother-in-law going, go! Stop it. Don't want to hear that. That's so gross. I don't send her emails about my sex life. I don't send her an email that's like, just so you know, my fiance and I are trying not to get pregnant three to five times per week. Sometimes twice on Saturdays, but not this week because it's live wire. <laughs> we want the goalie to stay right where he is. We lost the goalie one time. We found him. Way in the back of the goal. <laughs> CC Nana, I don't do that. That would be gross. I do love kids. I like kids a whole lot. I love babies a lot. Don't be impressed. Everybody likes babies. That's easy. Uh, that's what, no, no, no wife ever looks across the dinner table at her husband and is like, let's have a teenager. We like babies. That's an easy thing. But there's this invention that I think is recent that makes me like babies even more. It's almost unfair. It's the onesie with little animal ears on the top of it. Oh my God. Because we like babies, but secretly we really like baby pandas. That's what we'd prefer if given the choice. Like pandas aren't making enough baby pandas. So we're like, we got to get in there and help. And as much as I love little animal ears on babies, like most of it, 90% A minus, that's the same amount that I hate animal ears on adults. You're a slutty cat for Halloween? No, thank you. We have enough cats. That's why, because they're already slutty cats. We don't need it. Too many cats. I like pop music a whole lot, which I've decided part of my resolution for 2013 is to admit that I like pop music, even though it's not cool. Do any of you guys secretly like pop music, but you can't admit it because your friends have great taste? Blink twice. Anybody? Blink twice. I love pop music. My favorite song ever came out last year. That's, uh, that is, of course, Call Me Maybe. Yeah, a few of you, yeah. Here's the great thing. You love Call Me Maybe even if you don't know that you love it because like, you wake up singing it in the morning. It's that good, right? You're like, hey, I just met you. This is crazy. Here's my number. Call Me Maybe. It's really catchy, right? The only part I don't get, though, is the this is crazy part. You just gave your phone number to a guy to bar. Not that crazy. Pretty standard bar procedure, actually. Now, if you've been like, hey, I just met you. This is crazy. Here's my number. Call me twice a day to check in or I'm going to assume you're cheating on me. And then I'm going to hack into your Facebook and unfriend all the girls. Maybe. That would be crazy. That's crazy. Hey, I just met you. This is crazy. Here's my number. Let's break into the hospital and steal a baby. No. That's crazy. We'll put little ears on it. Okay, fine. Just this once. Just this once. I was on Portlandia this year, which is very exciting for me. Everybody who I introduce myself to that's not from Portland asks me, is Portlandia real? Is it like that? And my answer is always, it's worse. <laughs> I was driving through a suburb the other day. I saw a guy holding a cardboard sign that said, I need a kidney donor. And I'm not going to give him a kidney because he's just going to use it for drugs. <laughs> All right, my name is Alex Falcone. Thank you guys so much. You guys have been great. Alex Falcone, ladies and gentlemen. Wait, stay right there. So we saw a, uh, a video that uh, you did, an online video that was really, I thought, hilarious. It was called The Spicy News. Yeah, yeah, great uh, series run by a bunch of Portland comics, Spicy News, yeah. And you were trying to do a sort of rundown of the week's news, but you were eating increasingly hotter peppers... Yeah, I ate, I ate two habaneros, and they gave me two, and they were like, this one might not be enough if you're a real man. And so I took it, and in that 10-second delay, before it hit me, I was like, I guess I'm a real man. And I took the second one, and then they both punched me in the mouth at the same time. 
Well, we wanted lot. to try to do the radio equivalent of that, but we thought that's a fairly visual thing. So uh-huh. we thought we'd try to do something uh, more sort of orally focused. So we thought we would bring out some foods. Okay. We have three different bowls here. And uh, what we're going to need you to do, I'm going to give you a topic. It's a bachelor lunch. Thank you. Yes. I'm going to give you a topic. I'm going to need you to start with the potato chips. Okay. Potato I chips. I need you to, and you can do this even while we're talking, I need you to put two handfuls. Handfuls? Yeah. I yeah. have big hands. I, I can see you. I know you're not cutting carbs. Put all the chips in your mouth right now. No, no, no. I need you to get a good level of potato chip in there, Falcone. All right. Here's your first topic. Springtime. Okay, so, um, it's really nice today. It's really nice. It didn't used to be nice, and as soon as it started being nice, everybody came out of the woodwork and started getting in line at the ice cream place, and it was like, that's my ice cream place. I was more chip. There. More what? chip. More, what? You chewed through one of them. Another I one. Have the idea. Um, okay. In previous swings, it's been nicer earlier on, you know? Yeah. It's breath raining. This is really hard, but these are good chips. Thank you for the chips. All right, there you go. That's food number one. Good job. All right, next up. You're right. The weather does change at spring. That was trenchant. It's really good. Uh, all right, next up we have some marshmallows. That have been sitting out for a while, apparently. Yeah. Those were used in a fraternity hazing before this. So. You're going to want to see a doctor right after we get done with the show. All right. How uh, many do you want? I would like to see uh, four of those. Okay. Those are really desiccated, aren't they? Those things are old. We spare every expense on props here at Livewire. Okay, your, your topic, uh-huh. number two, 30 seconds. The gay marriage debate. Oh, it's basically over, right? The good guy won, and they're still running out the clock. But the thing is, Weddings are really expensive, so if you're going to get married when it's legal in a year, start now and save up for a while. It's really expensive, and uh, it takes a while. We spent like $200 on favorite days, which is just an invite to tell people that the invite is coming later. So it really is like the sort of thing you got to get working on right away. These are terrible. <laughs> nice job. Good job yeah. with the marshmallows. It's interesting because we've got some water. Well, some water has been brought to the stage. All right. I'm uh, going to have to be part of this next one. This is the last one. Um, you're going to do it too? No, I'm going to feed it to you. What? <laughs> I just want to make sure that you're not skimping on this. Uh, your, uh, let's see. Your last food is uh, it's, uh, peanut butter. And while you're talking, I'm going to just shovel it into your mouth. I need to come over a little closer. Like, this is not even like, this is not human peanut butter. It's like Adam's peanut butter where it's like you took the oil away. It's just like I, you got too lazy to stir it and you just gave me that layer of sludge under the oil. Let's get a good scoop in here. Let's get one more. Hold on. The first scoop is in. First scoop is in. Some of it's in your beard, which is upsetting. Right, here we go. Here we go. That's fine. That's fine. Here we go. Okay. And your question is... The fact that the behavior of the universe often seems to defy the second law of thermodynamics and what that may or may not indicate about the existence of a benevolent God, go for it. All right, so here's the thing. I was looking that up on Wikipedia while I was talking, and I think he was wrong about most of it. Like, a lot of those things weren't even words. He was just making up things like no one was checking but me. They weren't even words. He was like, entropy. It was like the donut car sketch. He was doing that with the science. Um, so, so you know, I don't think that's true. So you would right? like a revision in the Bloom book? I think the whole thing is mostly just to make fun of you. <laughs> like, Bloom is a character who just came on to make you look foolish on your, on your new hosting job. Mission accomplished, Falcone. All right, thank you very I much. Ruined some very expensive equipment. I should go. I We're going to need a couple minutes to um, uh, Martinize all of the microphones here. <laughs> Not that anyone knows what Martinizing is. We'll be back in a moment.
Livewire is sponsored in part by Whole Foods Markets, where you can get organic chicken and exotic starches like quinoa and risotto, but also natural cleaning products for when you accidentally drop your exotic starches like quinoa and risotto. Whole Foods has a comprehensive eco-scale rating system, which lets you know at a glance what's in the products that you're cleaning with to help keep the earth clean. More information can be found at WholeFoodsMarket.com. Tonight, History's Mysteries investigates a lost art form of the American South, bear traps. In the late 1950s, famed bear trapper Mitchum Jones crafted elaborate and highly advanced bear traps that have modern engineers scratching their heads. What you are about to hear is a rare recording of Jones, taken at his cabin in Louisiana, describing his inventions to his grandson, Bobob. Okay now, Bobob, this here you have your standard everyday bear trap. It's got the two jaws and the teeth, and bear step on the plate and bear trap body's leg. Can't the bear just for yourself, Grandpa? Bear trap don't let go, boy. But there are bears up in the hills. This standard bear trap just tickle them, make them giggle. Bear trap bite their legs, and they just keep walking and giggling, tickle pink like little pigtailed girl in the schoolyard. They scrape that bear trap off a rock and get on with the man-eating. That's when you need this here bear trap. Wow, what's that? This here an exotic Punjabi Ajanta spicy face bear trap. Translated from the Vedic Sanskrit and recreated here in Mississippi by your granddaddy. Woo-wee. How come they call it spicy face? You see that there, boy? That there throws spices in the bear's face. Spices and some lentils, you know, like some coriander and some turmeric. Bear starts a fussing and a sneezing long enough for these here Punjabi bolt clamps to grab the bear's arms and wrestle them to the ground. Then these here Kashmiri blow dots, they put them fast asleep, dreaming about eating man, but not doing it for actual. This one should have trapped the bears up in the hills, right, Grandpa? Well, you reckon it would, but there are other bears. Bears as big as the hills, the manest eating them bears there ever there was. Even this trap can't trap them. This tickled those bears so hard they, they jump up and down and clap their hands and singing and a laughing and gets them on a gossip of them with their girlfriends about who kissed who behind the bear church and whose frock is the prettiest and the pinkest and other nonsense like that. All the while eating man like there was some peach pie. Gee, Grandpa, can anything trap them? This can, boy. <gasps> no way! That's right, boy. This here, the back shackle siren song, full twist, galvanized bull whip bear trap. Oh, how does it work? Well, boy, these here gossamer head sirens sing out to the bears, seducing them with promises of man meat. Bears come around, these rattles put the fear of snakes in them, while these here dinner bells over here make them real fussy for supper. Then these here bull whips start whipping the bears and whipping them and whipping them so as to break their spirit. Then when the bear lost most of his hope, these here pictures of once proud bears being ridden by monkeys in itty-bitty hats finishes that job. Then these here triple galvanized twist clamps grab the bear and, oh boy, to wrestle them and to trick them and to clamp them and to kick them and flatten them and to slap them and to embarrass them and to demoralize them and to shame them. And to finally to trap that bear and bring the sun down and the moon up on his man-eating ways. That's just about the swellest thing I... Did you hear that, Grandpa? Boy, don't move. Boy, you ever hear of a reckoning? I reckon. Well, that's what's being visited upon us right now, boy. We're going to battle. These traps have been made for melee combat should the need ever arise. And that need has arisen, boy. That need is risen. Grandpa, are you sure those are bears? What if they're cougars? Oh. Well, in that case, we're f- <laughs> That is Andrew Harris and Laura Faye Smith. You are listening to Livewire Radio. If you're in the Portland area, join us for our next live taping on Friday, April 12th, here at the Alberta Rose Theater. Guests include... Humorous novelist and TV writer Simon Rich, actor James Urbaniak, writer-musician John Roderick, musical guests Black Prairie, and others. More information at livewireradio.org. 
Here now with his poetic thoughts on God and the cosmos and that guy Bloom's hair, please welcome the author of Hiding from Salesman and the Sliding Glass Door poet Scott Poole with Reflections by the Pool. After reading Howard Bloom's book, I was actually convinced that I didn't exist. (laughs) So I thought the non-existing entity that is me should write a poem about that. This is called, At Least I'm Popular Enough to Stay Alive. (laughs) Supposedly, I'm 13.73 billion years old today. Well, at least my protons are. And I was still able to put my pants on this morning by myself. (laughs) Yet I'm not the same man I was 13.73 billion years ago. I'd like to think that I've matured since then. I appreciate red wine now. I know the practical application of the Pythagorean theorem, and I tuck my shirt in without hating my mother. (laughs) Turns out I'm not even the same man I was when I started this poem, which is good because I was kind of getting sick of the poet who wrote, I was able to put my pants in. (laughs) Turns out I don't even equal myself. If I say, I am's what I am's. Proudly like Popeye with anchor tattoos on my considerable forearms, high on spinach, I'm wrong. Because the thing that said the first I am's is different than the thing that said the second I am's. And the first I am's is just an approximation of what the I am's I thought I was talking about when you really think about it, don't you know? (laughs) So I've come to the conclusion that I'm basically a set of instructions in the Ikea box of (laughs) Fergenlerman. That's more or less being unread by that which attaches or disattaches from me on a regular basis. And I think there are little signs posted about me on a cellular level. If you're going to be part of the 87 trillion cells composing Scott, here are the four rules. One, you must like dark chocolate. Two, you must be haunted by the idea of throwing pizzas at farm animals in sylvan settings. Three, you must love everyone unconditionally, even if they're an incorrigible doofus. Four, you have to be fascinated by Tycho Brahe, the famous astronomer who discovered supernova exist above the Aristotelian unchanging realm, but who would have been the guy swept under the rug of history if he hadn't lost his nose in a sword duel and had to wear a fake one made of silver and gold he stuck to his face with paste. No wonder why a lot of hair and brain cells have abandoned me now. (laughs) Turns out life is an atomic popularity contest. Turns out death is like the first day of junior high, the ultimate unpopularity. Thank you. That's Scott Poole. All right, once again, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage... Edna Vasquez. Pantano, te aconsejo respirar. Tu corazón es 
ladies and gentlemen, right here on Livewire. All right, that is our show. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming out and listening. This has been Livewire. Our thanks to our guests, Howard Bloom, Alex Falcone, and Edna Vasquez. Our house band is Ralph Huntley, Jim Brunberg, and Dave Jorgensen. This show was made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, and Burgerville. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council and Work for Art, the Oregon Cultural Trust, and listeners just like you find people. Hotel accommodations generously provided by the Hotel Deluxe. Our executive producer is Robin Tenenbaum. The show is also produced by Courtney Hameister and Jim Brunberg. Faces for Radio Theater are writer-performers Sean McGrath and Andrew Harris and performers Lori Ferraro and Laura Faye Smith. Our head writer is Courtney Hameister, with additional show writers Jason Rouse and Scott Poole. Our guest writer this show was Andrew Harris. Sound effects and direction by Jason Rouse. Our technical director is Jonathan Newsom, with house sound by Graham Nystrom. Stage management by Mark Bausch. Our show theme is written by our house band and Courtney Vondrelli. Photography by Jenny Baker. Livewire was created by Kate Sokoloff and Robin Tenenbaum. For more information about Livewire or to subscribe to our podcast, visit livewireradio.org or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at Livewire Radio. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time, because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast. 